Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bakar banu mikol amim, venatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha-Torah. Amen. Amen. Well, shalom, shalom. This is, uh, we are in the week parsha by Kel. And we are now going over Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 today. Uh, may this, may this uh, Torah study be uh, in the merit or for the dedication of the Ruf Shlema of Esther Markovitz. Amen. For a quick, complete, and spoon, soon recovery. Can you read that Amen. Amen. All right, so I will read the first verse. To start, for the Shishron Ha'ef Hashem, as the burning anger of God, is revealed, is being revealed. Shemaim, it is being revealed against all without Yeret Shemaim and Zadik all Bene Bene Adam, who quickly, who wickedly repress Hamet or Hamet of Hashem. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's a, a powerful. A, yeah, right. Definitely so, way to get into the into the drosh here. Right. The so the first connection I want to make to this is you see there's this idea of there's some truth, there's some reality, and it's being like compressed or repressed. It's being um, pushed away. It's being um, I don't know covered up so to speak, and um, in this week's Torah portion, to kind of give a little introduction from the Kehotumash, they say that this Torah portion is essentially repeating Parsha Teruma. It's from the Kehotumash. It says, only changing the predominant verb, you shall make, to he made. Okay, so we're going from ideal to actual manifest. And so when you look at Vayakel and Pakude, which are normally read together, but this year's the leap year, uh, they're separated, but they are intrinsically connected to Taruma and Tetzave. So what are we going on about here in Romans as far as the burning anger of Hashem is revealed? So when you kind of look at some of these words with the Ivrit, the first thing is the word for revealed. So in Hebrew, it's important to know that the verb comes first. So basically, if you're going to read this verse in Hebrew, the first thing it's going to talk about is something being revealed, something being uncovered and something being opened up. Just like in this week's Torah portion, everything that was in the heavenlies when Moshe on the mountain is now going to be manifest openly here in the physical. So when we look at the word for reveal, it comes from the word gala, which actually is very, very similar to hisgalut, which is the word that we actually use for revelation. So the letter of revelation written by Yochanan. Is actually in Hebrew, it's called Hitzgalut. And Gala and Galut sound very similar to a word Galut, which means exile. So now we got the word for exile, the word for revelation, and the word for revealing is going to like all come together here. And when we look at what's actually going on with the Mishkan, actually being revealed it's revealed in a place of exile but it's leading us into a place of geulah which is gala the same word as galut which is exile but you add an olive and notice that the plan was to receive torah from har sinai and then take that into eretz israel and build the temple and so you have this idea of within the exile, the redemption is revealed. 
Also, it's important to know that this word gala also means to leave home. It does mean to go into exile. And then it says that this word also, I'm reading from the Targum, by the way. And it says to banish or carry into captivity. And uh, when we look at the Mishkan, the Mishkan is Hashem dwelling with us. And Mashiach Yeshua says, before he sends us into the current exile that we're in, this final exile, Baruch Hashem, he says, I am with you until the very end of the age. So Mashiach is tabernacling with us still through the Ruach HaKodesh, through the words of Torah, through the Gala of Torah, the revelation of Torah. And so that's one thing. And then when we look at the word anger, which is Charon and Af, it has to do with a burning, fiery anger. Uh, and it literally says in the Targum that the anger of the Lord, wherever the scripture uses the expression anger of the Lord, there remains a lasting mark of it. And so, where do we find a lasting mark of the anger of Hashem from the golden calf? None other than the Mishkan. None other than the half shekel. And then the next word is going to be the word for truth, which is emet. Um, when you look at the word for truth, it means truth faith, and reality. Emet and Imuna are related as like cousins in Hebrew. Kind of like when we look at the word for um, teshuva and how we can say shuv or shuva. Like, obviously those are different cognates. But when you look at Emet and Imuna, the only difference between the two is a noon. So, you got the actually you got the noon and the hay, and then you have for a met you have just the aleph mem and the tav. So the aleph and the mem are the same, but then you just add a noon and a hay, and it becomes a muna. So that's one thing. And then for these wicked ones who suppress the truth, and why is Hashem angry? Because the word for wicked is rasha. Which note that Mashiach Yeshua himself says, do not call each other Rasha. And that's a very, very bad thing. And so when you really look at who is actually labeled as a Rasha, none other than one who suppresses the truth. And that word for suppressing the truth, as I describe the word Rasha real quick, is the word Avel, which is Ayin, Vav, Lamed. It means to pervert to find fault, and to uh, be a wrongdoer. And this word is actually similar to the word for to press or to squeeze, like what we do with oranges to make orange juice. So if you're going to take the truth and like squeeze it down, suppress it, you are what's called a rasha. So you find that this these people who suppress the truth the way they're described is those who actually distort and pervert the truth. And oh my goodness, I don't see where any of that is happening in the world today. But I digress. So final thing I want to say to describe the word Rasha, it says it's a wicked man, a wrongful claimant. Okay, like a person who's going to get up on the court uh, stand and, and make a witness report but everything that this person is going to say is completely false, completely fabricated, and completely just off base. And it's just like, why are you doing that? It's just, well, this is what I do. I'm a Rasha. And uh, Rasha is also synonymous with wickedness, guilt, and indictable offense. And uh, yeah, so that's all I got. All right, Brugashim. Your turn. Wow, that's good. Yeah, you hit you hit on quite a bit there. Um, some quick things. You know, you were speaking about that word. How it's you know one translation is to suppress or to to squeeze, right? Like yeah. you said, and and uh, it correlates with Schulz when he spoke about just earlier. He was saying he's not ashamed of the 
the the gospel and if you know as one as others are um that's why he's saying that because some are suppressing the truth and he's he's proclaiming it boldly as he ought does that make sense yes because that's the thing about the the truth is the truth is meant to be revealed you know like there's an idea of I mean, again, it's it's really the word Rasha. If you're going to hold truth and not, you know, be bold about it, you know, you might as well align yourself with wickedness. Yeah, I heard a quote recently. It was um, the one, so how did it go? He who, he who uh, tolerates something, a matter today, will accept it tomorrow. Or right. It was some something of that nature, but... Um, that's, you know, it's really true in this, you know, in the fact that, uh, just the connection of just as, as, as how Hashem, um, relates to wickedness. So shall we, you know, he abhors certain things like, you know, eating a pork, obviously, and, mm. um, a thief, a liar, someone who's prideful, um, the list goes on. Um, but he's not indifferent to it. He's very against it. And that's why we see the, the burning wrath of God that will be revealed from heaven against those who are, are such. That's right. You know, you, that quote, I mean, even just the, the gist of it, you know, you think about that. It's, that definitely is why we are where we are today. You know, it's, it's amazing in a very, very bad way to know that, you know, we're in a country that is completely okay with infanticide. And, um, it's just kind of like, how in the world did that happen? You know, like we only read about this in Parsha Shemot when Paro was doing that to the infants of the children of Israel, but it's like, oh yeah, that's happening in our country now. And it's just like, oh, well, well, all right then. That's how did that happen? It's just like, well, what's been happening? <laughs> a fall from the moral standards of the word of Hashem, a falling away from the Torah of Hashem. So, but we're getting into that on the next verse because that's kind of the bread and butter of uh, this section of the Egedit that we're in this week. Amen. Yeah, I mean, even later on in Romans, Romans chapter 2, verse 8, says the wrath and displeasure to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. Yikes. But obey unrighteousness or love the truth. Hmm. So uh, to love the truth is to, you know, it means that you're one who obeys the truth. And like you're saying, you don't suppress the truth. You, pre you preach it, you teach it, you, you know, speak of it. You're not ashamed of it. So. Wow. And you said that for those who are self-seeking? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yep. Wow. That's so that's the root and the source of the wickedness is is the self-seeking, making provision for the flesh, as it were. Right. And Yeshua speaks about, in the latter days, that uh, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, arrogant, rude, haughty, you know, disobedient to parents and such. This all is definitely in alignment with... Uh... So... All right. Uh, something I was going to uh, mention too. Sometimes people think, you know, they, they read this verse and they say, for the, so they say the burning of anger of God is, is being revealed from heaven. And they're like, well, I look up, look up to the heavens and I don't see any wrath of God or, you know, burning anger. Hmm. Um, but depending on the translation, some have it in the, in the uh, past tense or the present tense, and some have it in the future tense. And I believe in, in Greek, I, I could be wrong, but there is no past, present, or future. Oh no, maybe maybe it's that's a present future. It's a present perfect. That then I think it's Hebrew too, or maybe it's just Hebrew. I'm mixing up the two, but depending on the context, is really how you determine as to the timing of that which the verb or that which is going on. Um, so when he speaks about the burning anger of God being revealed. It's something that's predominantly speaking about something that's future that will take place. And that's why it's kind of an answer to Habakkuk's cry, as we spoke about last week, about the ones who have Amuna are the ones who are expecting that Hashem will bring about justice for his elect to cry out to him day and night um, to bring the justice. 
and uh, recompense. Wow. Yeah, and, and the important thing, too, to remember is that Hashem is slow to anger. We just read that in Parsha Kitisa last week, and it's just like, so if Hashem's burning anger is going to be revealed, it's only because there has been so many opportunities to turn from our wickedness, to make shuva and live, to quit perverting truth, to quit seeking ourselves, you know, and start seeking righteousness. Like, while it is still today, may we hear his voice kind of thing. So, and remember that a day with Hashem is a thousand years. So, how long is Hashem really willing to wait? You know, kind of thing. And it's like, you know, you think about what Kepha wrote about Hashem is not slow in keeping his promise. But he wants every person to have the opportunity to enter into Emuna so that they would not perish. So you don't really want to put yourself in the position of saying, well, I don't see any burning anger. It's just like that. That's not what Hashem wants you to focus on. He wants you to focus on getting connected with him and purifying yourself and walking in righteousness. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Which again with Vayakel, just sleek God, just uh, you know, it's all about bringing it all in, gathering it in, and Vayakel is actually extended to what it means to gather in the divine sparks from the four corners of the world. And so again, not focusing on well, when is the anger of Hashem gonna drop? It's like no, how many people are we really? giving the opportunity and expressing truth to not in a, in a negative, like bashful way, but like, this is the truth of Hashem. He really is merciful. He really wants you to enter in with him. Come join in with Kol Yisrael and like, let's go into the Alam Haba kind of thing because Mashiach is coming. So it's just like, not trying to say turn or burn, but you know, you do need to do the turn part. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's an, it's definitely an ultimatum. I mean, he, he definitely, you know, Hashem is making it clear. Um, you know, Yeshua says time and time again, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning yes. that, you know, there's uh, like the half shekel concept of you only give me half the shekel and Hashem's obviously, I mean, it's just nothing in comparison to all that uh, could be given, but even more so, I mean, you know, Hashem owns all the gold and silver in the, of the, uh, you know, in the world. And yet he's asking for just a half shekel. So if you can't give that, you know, there, the, um, there's consequences. Obviously, for sure, you won't be included in the in the uh, the census or the counting. Um, be included in the covenant. Be included in the 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 camp. Be included in the kingdom. Um, he's wanting that back and forth. You know, he's saying repent, and and you, you know, it's your response. It's your decision as to whether or not you you do such. I mean. That's the thing. We got to we gotta choose. And when it comes to the Holy Sparks, I know in this Parsha, the two, there's two men that were predominantly um, selected to build all that we um, read about in Vaikel, this week's Parsha. One you mean was like two Mashiachs? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, Belzebub, or how do you say his name? Belzebub, Be- right? Betzalel. <laughs> That's the you don't want bells above building your temple. Sorry, no, no, sorry. That's, that's right. That's uh, the spirit of yeah, exactly. Um, so he he was from the line of Judah, correct? Come on, yes, he was. And so which which represents uh, David, Yosef, ben, ben Yosef, or sorry, Ben David, yes, the conquering king, Mashiach, and then uh, the other gentleman. Um, was from the tribe of Dan, and his name was Aholiab. Aholiab, and the tribe of Dan goes back to um, let's see her, his f- foremother um, or my, matriarch came from um, one of Yaakov's servants, correct? Yes. So um, Dan was actually. Uh... He's one of yeah. He's one of the the handmade children. You remember which handmade was? Uh, 
off the top of my head, I don't exactly remember, but he should be from Leia's handmade. Hang on, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get it squared away. So keep going. Well, yeah, that would mean that would correlate with just that concept. Oh, correlate with the uh, connect with Yosef and the one who adds. And uh, you know, when it comes to the converts coming in, when it comes to Hashem seeking converts, and that despite despite his you know background or lowly position as being um, the offspring of a a maiden. Or hands hands maiden that uh, he oh. still nonetheless was selected to be a part of building the Mishkan, or building sorry building the the uh, tabernacle. Get you some. So the cool thing about what you just said is basically Dan should have been the son of a handmaiden, but her his mother was actually made a full status Jewess upon being actually married to Yaakov. She was i.e. set free and uh definitely converted you know well leah and raquel were also converts too but that's a different drosh so when you go into this dan is actually the fifth son of yaakov and you know five books of torah kind of thing but anyway uh his mother is bilha which was actually the handmaid of raquel so he would actually be connected to the Mashiach ben Yosef side of the picture. Because you have Leah and Zilpah, that would be the Davidic side. And then you have Bilhah and Rachel, which would be the Yosef side. Okay. So yeah, there you go. You got the two, two concepts, two, two men that uh, are commissioned to being the ones who build build the house or build the tabernacle in this, in this, in this scenario. So. Wow. And then with you know just connecting with the Romans shows he's he's you know desiring uh, converts he's desiring you know through through the Amuna that comes or through the sorry obedience from the nations that comes through Amuna so it's like that the like you had said the faith faith and Amuna sorry Amuna and and truth are have quite a bit of similarities in their in their wording yeah um, <laughs> and how to have. Tr a true faith would be a genuine faith and he he speaks about that you know often um i know that like in first peter one like seven we were talking about you know uh chapter of, of uh in peter kifa he says in, in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in various trials so that the authenticity the genuineness of your faith more precious than gold which perish, perishes even though refined by fire, it result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Yeshua the Mashiach. Though you see, do not see him now, you love him, and though you do not see him see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. So Hashem, you know, this 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 the genuine faith is what Hashem is, is desiring, and obviously Shaul among um, all those he's ministering to. Both, both native-born, you know, Jews, and then these converts. Well, it's interesting that we're having native-born and converts uh, drops right now because not just 24 hours ago, shameless plug, I did a B'nai Yosef uh, podcast here on Anchor, actually, and uh, went into a lot about that because if you read just a little bit of Torah, you'll see that the native-born. And the grafted in one are of the same status. So you can't ever make the division of, well, you know, you're a convert. So therefore you're not really Jewish and you can't say that you were born Jewish. Well, first of all, when you're a convert, that means you've been born again, literally born again. So if anyone asks you to the converts out there, first of all, it's against Jewish halakha to ask someone if they're a convert. Second thing is, you need to own it if you're a convert, which is part of the B'nai Yosef podcast. Because, yeah, right? It's uh, because when you are born again, you literally get the opportunity to say, yes, I was born Jewish. Okay, and that's, that's uh, incredible to be able to say that because Yeshua wasn't kidding around when he said you do have to be born from spirit 
Okay, you have to be born from above. It's not the mother's womb that's the final say-so. It's really the womb of the Shekinah that's the final say-so. Because a lot of people say they're Jewish and they're not really Jewish. And boy, I can't say where we see that anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, I'm being very sarcastic. I need to stop that. But, um, yeah, so when you're going there and, you know, we brought up the sons of Yaakov. I just have to say, because I'm looking at Bereshit 30 all the way back to Parsha um, <laughs> Vayetze, which is Yaakov going out, right? So in Bereshit 30, verse 2, it literally says that Yaakov's anger burned against Rachel. Is that not insane? <laughs> mm. uh, because we're talking about the burning anger of Hashem, right? And so the burning anger of Yaakov is against Raquel because she's jealous of her sister having all these children. And it's just kind of like his, his answer to her out of his anger was, am I in place of Hashem? Who has withheld fruit from your womb? You know, it is just kind of like, wow. Like, so out of the burning anger scenario, the handmaid Bilka, Bilha is given to Yaakov and through her comes Dan. So ultimately leads us to Ohaliav, who is the, the, the number two here with uh, Bezalel building the Mishkan. So you really see this picture of out of the burning anger of Hashem, you know, there is one who can meet that judgment and he descends from the side where Yosef is, you know, because Raquel is the mother of Yosef, you know, and Bilhah was connected to Raquel. And now you're seeing the one who can actually mitigate the burning anger. And that's through Yosef. And so you have the picture of the reigning king, Bazalel, and the one who is going to be the suffering servant, Ohaliav. And they're going to come together and they're going to bring about redemption, atonement, and dwelling with Hashem. Man. Didn't mean to go into all that, but uh, you brought it up, so. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's good. I, uh, yeah, that's good. He doesn't show favoritism, and that's, he even says that, or Shaul says that in chapter 2 of, of his he get it, his letter. Um, I think it's in see, verse verse one, verse two. So, yep. Yeah, we'll verse, get there. verse two. We we know that God's judgment lands impartially on those who do such things. Do you think that you, mere man, passing judgment on others, you do the same things yet doing the same yourself will escape the judgment of God? Which the judgment of God he's speaking about, which some think that they will escape is what he had said earlier about the wrath, about the wrath of God that will be, will be revealed from heaven. Um, and in Acts 10, 34, he also says, uh, Kepha's preaching, and he says, Now I realize how true it is that God, Hashem, does not show favoritism, but welcomes, that is, into the kingdom, into the, you know, into the covenant, those for, from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Righteous. Wow. So, you know, there's definitely, you know, that's just backing it up. <laughs> the, uh, it's amazing, the, the whole, I guess the latter end of, of uh, Kifa's letter um, really hits home on a lot of things of what we're uh, reading. You want you want me to mind I just read it? I don't mind at all. Do you think? Nope. Okay, so Second Kepha, chapter 3. This now, beloved ones, the second letter I write to you in which I stir up your sincere mind to remember the words previously spoken by the Kodesh Nabim, the, prophet, the Holy Prophets, and of the command that is singular, but really, you know, it's the command, the Torah of the Master and Savior by your emissaries. By Shliklak, knowing this first, that mockers shall come in the last days with mocking, 
walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers, the forefathers fell asleep, all continues as from the beginning of creation. For they choose to have this hidden from them, that the heaven, the Shemaim, were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by the word of Hashem, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. And the present Shemaim and the earth are being stored up, or treasured up by the same word, uh, the fires kept for uh, to a day of judgment and destruction of wicked men. But beloved ones, let not this one be hidden from you, that with Hashem one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, like you had said earlier, Hashem is not so in regard to his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards us and not wanting that anyone should perish, but that all should come to Teshuvah repentance. But the day of Hashem shall come as a thief in the night, in which the Shemaim shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are in it shall be burned up. Seeing all these, or seeing all these, are to be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be in Kodesh behavior and reverence, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of Hashem, through which the heaven Shemaim shall be destroyed, being lit on fire, and the elements melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we wait for a renewed Shemaim and renewed earth in which righteousness dwells. So then, beloved ones, looking forward to this, do your utmost to be found by him, in shalom, spotless and blameless, and reckon the patience of our master as deliverance. Also, our beloved Shaul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as also in all his garrets, that is his letters, speaking in them concerning these matters, in which some are hard to understand. These letters that we're reading now, they're hard to understand. Which those who are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction. And that, that's the destruction that he's still speaking about that will happen the day of the Lord, as they do also the other scriptures, which is Torah, the prophets. You then, beloved ones, being forewarned and watched, lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away by the delusion of the lawless as the Torahless, but grow in the favor and the knowledge of the Master Yeshua, the Messiah, uh, the Savior, and to, be, to him be the esteem both now and to the day that abides or that remains to come, amen. Uh, so, man. <laughs> I mean, he, he hits on a lot. I know we're, we're almost short of time here, but uh, this this concept of, you know, as Shul uh, speaks about the the heavens, says the what is revealed is God's anger from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of people who, who in their wickedness suppress, keep suppressing the truth. And he's he's saying that just as the, as the, um, just as in the heavens, the the waters were held up, um, and and were held down, you know, from the, from the foundations of the great deep. When they burst forth, it was from the word of Hashem that held them in place and that caused them to to come down um, during the during the flood. And in the same way, there's there's fires, uh, there's fire that is being kept in the heavens above, which Hashem will by His word. Um, pour forth upon the wicked, um, just as he, as we see, and I think it's uh, uh, Bamid Bar eleven, several places in the in the past, Hashem has done that, and he he's the same God as he was yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. So it's not a strange thing that he at times will, um, you know, cause his his fire to to consume his enemies, um. And so here we have it again, something that wishes will will come, and that will create um, when he cleanses the earth, you know, it will pass away, but his world or, or and his world will not pass away, and everything, like he says, the works will be burned up, um, the, you know, everything that everyone has done will be um, judged, and uh, and so he'll cleanse through this process, he'll cleanse the earth, and it'll become a home of righteousness, which is what. Habakkuk is wanting, which is what the widow is wanting, which is what all of Israel is wanting, and what we are crying out for in the Shema and in each of our, uh, you know, each of the davening times during the day. 
Um, and, and then it correlates just with the fact that some are suppressing the truth and, and which is Torah. And so, which he speaks about at the very end here, that just as Shul speaks in all his letters about these matters, some are hard to understand. And so the untaught, which is predominantly untaught in Torah, and unstable, which is possibly unstable in, in their faith, in their muna of Hashem and uh, his doings, they twist to their own destruction, um, and they do also the other scriptures. So, but he was saying that, you know, know this, you know, you knew this before, and I'm just reminding you again. So being forewarned, watch, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the delusion of the lawless. Um, so again, people were distorting Shoal's letters, uh, which caused them to be Torahless, and uh, he's encouraged them to both continue in the, the grace of God, or the favor of God, and also the knowledge of, of God, or the knowledge of the Master. So again, it just hits on these two concepts of of living righteously, and yet not, also not um, being self-righteous, which, as we had mentioned last week, um, of not... Um, trusting in your own righteousness for, you know, um, favor with God, but at the same time, um, you know, walking in righteousness, because as the Torah says, you know, this will be our righteousness. Hashem gives the Torah and he says, this will, you know, we, we say this will be our righteousness. But as for Hashem's righteousness, which is, um, which is spoken of through the prophets, but or through, through, through Moshe and the law, but it's not directly in the law. The righteousness of God is revealed. Um, through Mashiach and him being crucified, that is Ben Yosef, um, the suffering of Ben Yosef. Because um, as as uh, Isaiah 53, 11 says, um, after the anguish of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by the knowledge, by his knowledge, that is of Hashem, by his obedience, by his righteousness. My righteous servant shall justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And again, he, he speaks about it in Psalms 143. Uh, David says, "Do not bring your servant into judgment for the one who is a, who, one who, for no one alive is righteous before you." And there's other places too where this is not a, a new concept that shows bringing down our Christian concept is a Torah concept. Um, we need to be be righteous, but not self righteous um, in our standing before Hashem. You know what is our righteousness? As we had mentioned last week, so we'll leave it at that. And if you want to close off or anything to say regarding those well concepts, just to just to say with the the fire, you know, because it kind of sounds like, oh my gosh, destruction. Like, okay, yeah, there there will be that, you know. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Like that is a burning like true fire. But the other thing I want to point out is that Ta'anit. This is a tractate of Talmud from the Talmud Bavli. Specifically, 7a. So, Maseket Ta'anit 7a. It says, Why are matters of Torah compared to fire? As it is stated, Is not my word like fire? Says Adonai. That's from Yermiyahu 23.29. So, when we look at the fire that's going to consume the world and remake it, because this destruction, destruction from a Jewish mindset is never a end all be all like no hope in the world kind of thing. No annihilationism. Yeah. Right. Because remember, go back to the flood of Noah. The water that destroyed the earth actually renewed it. It actually was a mikvah. Okay. Like a purification of the world. And the world was made uh, over again. So also with this fire, the world is going to be made over again. That's why it says immediately after all the destruction, new heavens and new earth. So when you really zoom out, you see that the world is baptized with water and fire. The water is for teshuva. And yes, I'm quoting Matit Yahu 311 right now. But I'm breaking it down like a, a break dancer, I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry. What's was the reference there? Matit Yahu, which is Matthew three eleven. Just to just to kind of give us a bigger picture about this this fire in the water, because Hashem says I'm not going to flood the world again with water. 
and and then we read from Kepha and also other writings that it's fire that's coming. And the fire is the Torah. That's why the judgment is going to be proper and right because it's going to be a judgment of Torah because the water already happened and we're supposed to be making shuva right now. Supposed to be out making converts. Supposed to be out Vayakel gathering in all the things. If you look at this Torah portion, Vayakel, we're gathering in all the jewels. We're gathering in fabrics and stones. Those are people. That's the kingdom. And that's why when you build all those things up together, it's the Mishkan. It is the world. The Mishkan is likened to building the world. That's why there are so many chapters in Torah about what it takes to build a Mishkan. Because it's, it's synonymous with creation. But anyway, to keep going over here, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit, which is Ruach HaKodesh and fire. Notice Ruach HaKodesh and fire are right there. The Torah of Hashem is the Ruach HaKodesh and the Torah of Hashem is the fire. And that's what Mashiach immerses us in. Mashiach immerses us and the water of repentance, and in the fire of the Torah. And that's ultimately what the world is going to undergo in order to bring us into the Alam Haba. And that's why it will be, As in the prayer we say when we talk about Hashem's name will be one, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, because everyone will have the mikvah of Mashiach Yeshua, and we will know Hashem, who is one. Amen. Okay, so I know we're way past out of time, but um, if everyone will be indulged, I would love for us to finish up with verse 19. Uh, all right. Uh, yes, yes. So all Hanishim, who even though... Oh, sorry. On Nashim, who even... Though what is noble about Hashem lays plainly before their eyes, what God has shown them, they ne nevertheless cling to their resha and wickedly suppress a hummus of Hashem. Wow. Okay, I'm going to let you go first on this. Well, I mean, to be clear, he's, I mean, the connection, obviously, we speak about the truth, and the truth is his Torah, is his word. But here he's in the context, you know, he's saying specifically um, what is known about him has been has been known, which is um, his eternal power and his his divine nature. Is that um, because Mashiach Yeshua came? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's because oh, that's a good, good point there. Because huh. if we know him, we know the Father. Yeah, that's true. Wow. And the resurrection from the among the dead, his own resurrection would be a demonstration mm. and a testifying to Hashem's power. Um, obviously, you know, going back then, connecting it to Good. you know bare sheet. Well, all right then, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Hashem, I mean, I don't have. I mean, it's really in line with just what we've been been stating. Um, I'm sure you have several things with regards to some of those words. But it's plainly before their eyes. So as it says, you know, it's like there's no excuse. And and Shul speaks about this later on in the in, the, in this Egeret. He speaks about there's no one, no no one is has an excuse. Jew, Gentile, we all are under sin, and we all, you know, deserve Hashem's wrath, and uh, we we all need to repent. So. Amen. So my uh, kind of theme for this section of Drosh corresponding to the Torah portion is hashtag suppression of truth. <laughs> um, don't do it. <laughs> Build a temple and stop suppressing the truth. <laughs> um, so to kind of go in with that, too, I mean, this is like the tallest flag ever that you could post and put a big message that said Yeshua was here. Yeshua is returning. Like that is pretty much what this verse is saying. 
because we have literally no excuse because Yeshua says, how can you ask me, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, like, it's plain. Like, you can just really look at, you know, you can even look in tabloids and media. Like, everyone and their grandsister knows something about Yeshua. Now, they obviously don't call him that. They call him JC. But the thing is, is everybody knows. Jews know. We know. <laughs> you know, and especially at Lapid, we really know. Thank Hashem. You know, we can't boast about that, but we can be grateful to Hashem about that. But just to kind of go in on the words here, um, the first thing is the word it uses for for or because is an interesting word. It says the word ya'an, which means corresponding. Okay, so we're looking at corresponding and it uses the word da'at, which is knowledge. So corresponding to this knowledge, this truth that Hashem again has openly revealed. Okay, so the word da'at means knowledge and mind, temperament, physical disposition, constitution to occur to one's mind or to strike. So in other words, we've been given the mind of Hashem. So there's no excuse. Because we've been given the Torah, we've been given Mashiach Yeshua. And then it goes on to say that, uh, you know, again, it lies plainly before us. But yet we they cling to their wickedness. And the word for cling there is the word Sleeka. The word for cling. Oh, is this is an interesting word. It's actually, I would think it would be the word devekut, which is actually from um, the Torah portion. It says, you who cling to Hashem are alive today. But it's actually this word called gilui. And gilui has to do with this idea of nakedness, bareheadedness, defiance uh and it's interesting because those who walk the earth and do not want to cover their head <laughs> you know like they teach against head coverings and it's just kind of like oh you mean the very thing that means to cling to your wickedness now it's one thing if you don't know you should cover your head and it's another thing to be like, well, there is no law in the Torah that says cover your head. Okay, I get all that. But tell me why for thousands of years, the one nation on the earth that Hashem has chosen to be the light of the world, we cover our heads. And what, what, is, what is the head covering? The head covering is atonement. That's why it's called a kippah. It's from the word kapora. So what are we really, what are we clinging to? We're clinging to atonement. And yet, if you're going to be suppressing the truth and have your head uncovered, I mean, it's the same picture of clinging to wickedness. Good night. Okay. But anyway, so this will tie all the way back to Parasha Bo, believe it or not, because the distinguished gentleman, G. Shekel, that I, I love to read his commentaries on the Parasha, he brought this down about the final three plagues that happened in Egypt. Because this verse that we're talking about is Hashem has like made everything all openly known. Like the highest worlds, he brought it down. And when you look at the 10 plagues, they correspond to the 10 sephirot, which are the attributes of Hashem. There are seven lower and three upper. The final three plagues correspond to the upper uh, sephirot, which is chokmah, wisdom, bina, understanding, and da'at, which is knowledge. And what are we talking about in this verse? We're talking about they know about the da'at, but yet they're getting rid of it. And when you look at where da'at appears in the sephirot, it is right in between chokmah and bina. So in order to have da'at, you have to have wisdom and understanding working together. And that the child of Bina and the child of Chokmah is Da'at. 
the offspring of knowledge and understand or knowledge and wisdom is understanding. When you apply knowledge and wisdom together, you get understanding. And that is the Torah. But to go with what G. Shekel wrote, he said, so if you were raised along raised along with Messiah, then seek the things that are above, which is Keter, Chokma, Bina, Da'at. Keter is the crown. That's even above the wisdom and the understanding. And uh, it's important to know, this is really Kabbalistic, I know, but bear with me. It is uh, the crown of Keter, which is kind of like beyond time and space. That's why it's typically not mentioned in the 10. It's actually the 11th to be technical. But Keter and Da'at are directly corresponding to one another. So you can say that Da'at is Keter revealed into creation, which is what Mashiach is. Though he was in time and in space, he was simultaneously out of time and out of space. That's why his sacrifice makes atonement for the past, present, and future. But anyway, keeping going here, we're supposed to seek those things that are above where the Messiah is sitting at the right hand of Hashem, focus our minds there and not on the things here on the earth. That's Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And then to kind of wrap it up here, it says the three upper sephirot are drawn down from Exodus and I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge, i.e., and Chokmah, and Bina, and Da'at, and all manner of workmanship. Shemot 31.3. Who are we talking about? Bezalel. The one who is in the shadow of Hashem, who's building the Mishkan, that which we should cling to. And uh, the last little thing I want to say about tying it to this Torah portion, this is our verse that talks about all the wise-hearted among you, and those whose hearts are drawn to give, to bring the donations to the Mishkan. This is what, this is kind of our ultimatum. You're either going to be drawn to build the Mishkan or you're going to be drawn to build the golden calf. Because that's why this week's Torah portion is talking about what atones for what we were previously drawn to. Because we have to know as followers of Mashiach that he's calling people out of the darkness. He's calling people away from their wickedness into his glorious light. And that's what we should be focused on. Not on is your mother Jewish? Because if she isn't, then you're not Jewish and no Torah for you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you later. Like that is that is very, very not right. That's also a suppressing of the truth. So wow. what, what do we know? What do we know? <laughs> what do we know? Wow. <laughs> Alright, I'll say the bracket. Baruch Atta Adonai Elohim Malak Walam Ashir Kadish sorry. Baruch Atta Adonai Elohim Malak Walam Ashir Natan Lanu Torat Amet Vekaye Olam Natan Batokinu Baruch Torah. Amen. Well, Shalom and Shavuot Tov. Shalom and Shavuot Tov.